Good morning, church. Good to see you and be with you. Uh, this morning, as we are, uh, we celebrate the fourth week of Advent uh, with with the theme of love. Uh, this this morning, um, that love has come. Uh, last week, we talked about joy, and the angels said to the shepherds uh, that they had good news. They proclaimed good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of joy this season. I have little ones in the house, and so uh, Christmas morning is filled. There's lots of joy on the fa- on their faces, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. But I, I, I do think a lot of people don't experience the Christmas message and the Christian message uh, as good news of great joy. And maybe there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but I think that one is that there's, there's lots of misconceptions about Christianity, about what it's about, what the main point is, what the message is. Um, one, one of those is, is basically that the Bible says, man, get your act together or you're going to go to hell. You know, Christianity is primarily a, a message about morality, right? Um, how to be a good person. I mean, if Christianity is essentially a message about how to live a moral life so I can go to heaven when I die, um, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still interested in it, honestly, because I, I would rather go to heaven than hell. Uh, but, but I'm not excited about it, right? That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't capture my imagination. That doesn't feel to me like good news of great joy. Um, and on top of that, I'm skeptical of it, right? I'm skeptical if Christianity is about being a good person. I'm skeptical about it because I know some Christians. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I am a Christian uh, and, and I know myself and I'm skeptical. I know how, how fickle, how weak my motivation is. I know how many resolutions I've made that I've broken. Um, but, the, but the angel said, this is good news of great joy. So how is this so? And today I want to talk about, uh, see a few reasons that, that the message of Advent, especially the message of Christmas, the first Advent, is truly good news of great joy for all people. And, and I think that's because, in keeping with the theme this week, that it's a message of love. It's a message of love. We'll see three things this morning. The person of love, the action of love, and then the offer of love. Let's take a, a moment to pray together uh, as we begin. In your chair, where you are, uh, just pray for yourself. Uh, just ask that God would open your heart to hear what he wants to say to you uh, by his spirit through his word this morning. pray also, if you would, for me, that I would be faithful to God's word, that I would be helpful to you. Father, we give ourselves to you today, and you know what we need, you know where we are, you know how busy we are in December you know, the, the, uh, just the fog and the dizziness and the grogginess in our brains of Christmas parties and gifts and outings and kids being out of school, just everything going on. Um, Lord, would you, would you speak through all of that? Would you 
Uh, would you move that away so that we can hear from you this morning, so we can see you, we can understand what you're calling us to, what you're telling us. Please speak by your spirit through your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, the person of love, the person of love. Um, at the Advent verse, uh, we read it at the beginning, we read it during the candle lighting, is, is verse 14. Of course, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's he talking about? Right, if, you haven't, if you hadn't read the Bible before and you read that verse, uh, it would not make a lot of sense. Right? <laughs> what does it mean? The word, words became flesh? Uh, what, what's it talking about? Well, if you go back to, to verse one of, of John one, the beginning of this chapter, he explains that he introduces us to this word. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. All right, the, the word, according to verse two, according to he, he was with God, is a person. This word is also a person. Uh, and and so, so the word also, there was a person, it was apparently from the beginning, was with God and also was God. All things were created through him. And verse, verse 14, which we read earlier, the word became flesh, so the, this person, the he became human. Uh, and, and then verse 17 finally gives us a name, which is Jesus Christ. John is talking about Jesus here, uh, which won't surprise you since we're in church. Um, that's always the answer. And so uh, what do we learn here about, about Jesus? John is introducing us to this person. We learn four things. First, he is the word. This word, uh, logos, is, is a, a Greek word. That means he's, John is borrowing this term from his culture that meant the organizing principle of the universe. This is where we get the word logic from. And so he, John is saying Jesus is the organizing principle of the universe. He's the center around which everything exists. Um, he, he is the, the speech of God, the word, the God's self-revelation. Uh, Jesus is the word. Second, second, he is God. Jesus is God himself. He's divine. Um, as, as the Nicene Creed says, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. Right, he was uh, with God and he was God. Jesus is God himself. Three, we learn that all things were created through him. All things. Um, the Bible paints a very different picture of human origins than our modern materialist, you know, secular thinkers paint. Right, rather than, than pre-existing matter, random chance, natural selection, which by the way is, is, all, is, a, is a faith position, right? You, those, those things are not provable by the scientific method, right? Every position of human origins is on faith, right? You believe it, you can't prove it. You believe it, there's, there's uh, assumptions that you accept that you can't prove um, by science or by logic. But, but rather than those things, rather than random chance, natural selection, the Bible says we were formed. We were created by God himself. God, through his word, spoke matter and order and physics and mitochondria and butterflies all into existence. He, he, he sculpted us, right? He made us, formed us like a, like a master sculptor. He built the world like a contractor, he, he hung the stars like a decorator. 
And this is, this is important. We have to know who this is, right? Because he says all things were created through him. He made everything. This is Jesus. And fourth, it says, and in verse four, it says, he is the, the life and the light. And more specifically, the life is in him. In him was life. And that life is the light of men. And I think, I think this is what people want. True life, real life. The life you were designed for, life you were made for. Um, I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, blog, a lot of, not blogs, I don't listen to blogs. I'm cooler than that, guys. I know what blogs are. Uh, I listen to podcasts uh, and, uh, you know, and I like, but I like the self, self-improvement and, you know, uh, you know, blogs and, and podcasts books. Um, and and I, it seems like a lo- for a lot of those things, a lot of the, that, that industry, this is the promise. It's like life, you know, like if, if you can, uh, you know, master this tool, um, if you can read this book, if you can buy this product, if you can be this productive, if you can Marie Kondo your space, if you can eat clean, if you can, in, in, you know, do this workout, then, then you can begin to live the life you've always dreamed of. Like there's just around the corner, there's a, there's a eureka moment. There's some insight that's going to change everything and you're going to unlock the life you were designed to live, you know? Just, just don't eat gluten or dairy. That's the, that's the key, right? Mix the right essential oils. If you just diffuse them at the right moment, then you'll get life. And, and, right? and, and uh, there's, but th- there's a longing there. There's a hunger there for something. What is it? For life. I feel like it's not what it should be. Maybe this is the answer. And and so here's a bold claim by John. Man, the life is in Jesus. The life you want, life you're made for, it's him. He is the light of men. He shows us the way. He illuminates. He is the path of life. And the life is in, in him. And this is the person of love. Jesus, the, the action of love. Second, the action of love. What he did, what did Jesus do? Verse nine, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Um, in 1961, the Russians were the first to put a man into space. Uh, the Russian cosmonaut, who was an atheist, uh, reported back that he did not see God anywhere. Right? He'd been to space, God wasn't there. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously responded that looking for God in space was like Hamlet looking for Shakespeare in his attic. Right? Hamlet wouldn't find Shakespeare, the author of the play, anywhere inside of the play. He couldn't. If Shakespeare wanted uh, Hamlet to know him, or if the author wants a character in their work to know them, then the only possible way was if Shakespeare actually wrote himself into the play, if he made himself a character in the play. And I think this helps us grasp the magnitude of what John is saying here. The author of everything, the one who made everything, he entered his creation. He wrote himself into the play. Jesus is the light and the light reveals reality to us. Jesus came, he turned on the lights for us. We wanted to know God, who God is, and he revealed the Father to us. Now we know who God is and what he's like because we've seen Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
That word dwelt, it, it literally means tabernacle. It's, it's a, the, the word means tabernacled. Right? Just like in the Old Testament, when God's uh, presence was with Israel, was with his people in the tabernacle in the wilderness, right? They would carry the, this tent around and set it up, and God's presence was, would fill it. Uh, and, and Jesus came, and he, he moved in, right? He uh, made his dwelling place with men. Eugene Peterson paraphrases it. He moved into our neighborhood, I like that. He moved into our neighborhood. And this is, you know, one of the wonders of Christianity, the wonders, the wonders of the universe. Right? The, the baby in her womb, he was the maker of the moon. How does a, a cosmos shaper fit into a human womb? How does the one who holds the atmosphere together enter the atmosphere? Light of light, very God of very God became man. He moved into our neighborhood. But it didn't go so well for Jesus in our neighborhood. We live in a rough neighborhood, turns out, uh, because he came to his own, and what does it say? His own people didn't receive him. They rejected him. And, and the ultimate proof of this, of course, is what Jesus is most known for. He was executed by the authorities, hung up to die, bled out on the cross. And, and while it's not explicitly spelled out in this passage, I think verse five gets at what happened next, right? As a good author will do, John is, is uh, foreshadowing what will happen in this, in this his prologue. Uh, it says, that light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus, the light was snuffed out it seemed like darkness had overcome the light. It seemed that darkness had won. But like every good movie, right? And every good movie has, has its power because of gospel echoes, right? Like every, like, like every good story, that was not the end. Darkness didn't win because Jesus rose from the dead. He lives. The darkness has not overcome the light. Jesus came, God in flesh, to reveal the Father to us. The light of the world shone on us and revealed to us the love of God. Third, the offer of love. The offer of love. If you look at verse 16 with me, it says, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, the law was given through Moses. Moses is the one who went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, brought down the Ten Commandments to the people of God. And the, and the Ten Commandments are still very well known. Every, you know, people know about the Ten Commandments. Uh, and, and maybe this is where some of the misconceptions about Christianity come from. They picture, some people picture God as this kind of distant deity who just says, thou shalt not, a lot, and, and just waits to punish people. Um, but but in, in the context of the scriptures, uh, if you read the Bible, what you realize is, is actually the law was, is good. The law is a gift from God. It shows God's love. It was a gracious thing. It reveals God's heart. It reveals his design, how he made the universe to work. Jesus himself spoke highly of and upheld the law of God. So while not disparaging the law, we have to understand John's saying something important here. He's saying Jesus fundamentally changes. He reorients our relationship with the law and with God. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. A tension. There's this tension that builds throughout the Old Testament. And it's this. How can a perfect God, 
right? A perfect and holy God, one who sees sin and punishes rightly, he's just. How can he be gracious to sinful people? Right, all throughout Israel's history, God, God says, he says two things. He says, one, you're my people. I will always love you and be faithful to you. And two, he says, keep my commands and I'll bless you. Disobey my commands and I'll punish you. I'll curse you. Right, and then they, Israel throughout, if you've read the Old Testament, you know, they just keep breaking God's law. They just keep disobeying. They keep worshiping other gods. They keep sacrificing to other idols. They keep breaking the law. And they do get God's punishment, right? He does send them into exile. He does punish his people. But it's always with a tinge of hope. There's always something that says, man, it won't always be like this. I will be gracious to you, even as I punish you. I will keep a remnant. People, I will not forget you. I'm, I'm merciful and gracious. And this is a big tension in the Old, in the Old Testament. How can God punish sin but be gracious to sinners. The law was given through Moses and we receive the law. We learn God's will. And what does the law teach us? The law teaches us that we're not good. It teaches us we can't keep the law. I wonder if you've learned this. By God's standard is perfection, absolute wholehearted devotion to him. If you feel like, man, I think I'm pretty good with God's law. I've kind of kept it. Like, all you've done is, is just lowered the standard. You just said, I, I, yeah, I, you know he says that, but really I think he's okay with this level of obedience, right? It, it, just a quick example, one of my, my favorites to use, uh, is when, when a man comes and asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so you can just use this as a, as a standard, as a rubric for you, right? This week, how, how many, in how many situations, how many moments have you loved God with all that you are? Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. In, in how many interactions with others have you loved them as yourself? Have you cared about their well-being and their needs and what their desires, what they're thinking, what's good for them just as passionately and deeply as you have what you desire and what you want and what you need? That's the call, isn't it? Not many times, right? Not many times. Like, we, we, are, we can't do this. The, who can keep this standard, right? We fail daily at these things. This is the law, it came through Moses. But what came through Jesus Christ, it says, grace and truth, grace and truth. And we see in Jesus the perfect embodiment of God's word, which is full of grace, full of truth. Now, that's, that's a tough thing to balance. And we get, we get wonky on this, right? Some of you are truth people, right? You, you tell it like it is, and that's a great blessing. Um, but sometimes you aren't very fun to be around. No offense. Uh... <laughs> Just trying to be a truth person, you know? Uh, some, some of you, some of you are, are, but some of you are grace people, right? You'll overlook any offense. Um, and that's, that's a great blessing. But, but sometimes I think in your life, relationships suffer because you aren't able to say the things that need to be said. But Jesus is both, right? Full of grace and truth. What, is, what does this mean? Well, first, truth. If anything speaks to the truth of our situation, Right? It's the cross of Jesus. God does not gloss over 
our sin. Right? I, I am so bad. You are so bad. The world is so broken. We are so enslaved to Satan and his powers that the only solution is if the perfect son of God comes and suffers and dies for us. Don't you think if there would have been any other way, he would have gone with it? There was only one way. And it was him coming to die for us. He could not have been more truthful about the helplessness of our slavery, the depth of our fall, the extent of our depravity, the magnitude of our pride and rebellion. What could he, what could he have done? What could he have done to show us more truthfully how really wrong we are and how real God's wrath is? He went to the cross. Jesus is also full of grace. He's full of grace. And if anything speaks to the grace of God, to his heart for sinners and sufferers, his kindness, his love, it's what? The cross of Jesus. It's his cross. Jesus had to die for you to be saved, yes. And he was glad to die for you to be saved. Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him he endured the cross. John 15, 13 says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. It's not greater love. The one who is life himself willingly laid down his life for you. What more could he have done? Like, name something. Think of something in your mind. What more could he have done to prove his love for you? To demonstrate his love to die in your place for your sin. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This is the resolution of the tension in the Old Testament. How can God punish sin and yet be gracious to sinners? The cross. Right, with Jesus taking our sin taking the wrath of God, the just wrath of God for our wrongdoing. And, and Jesus doing that in our place for us so that we could be forgiven and free. God's perfect justice towards sin, God's perfect love to sinners. This is grace. Right, but, but that's not all, which is unthinkable, but that's not all. But I think that's why it says, this is grace upon grace. It's not just grace. Grace upon grace. Grace overflowing. Because look at, look at the offer of verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Think of it, the, like, you know, God could have just forgiven us and let us be servants, slaves in his kingdom. And that would have been more than gracious. But that's not the offer. The offer is not just to be forgiven. It's to become a child of God. It's to be brought into the family. And I just love, I just really appreciate the simplicity here. How do you get the right to become a child of God? Think back to the, the misconception. Christianity, isn't Christianity all about just being a good person? Living a moral life? Is that what you have to do? Is that what it says? Man, you'd be a good enough, you'd be a good enough person.
person and then God might adopt you. He's at the orphanage. He's looking around for the well-behaved kids, the, the, the respectful kids, kids who aren't hitting their you know, friends. And he's gonna, if, he, if, you, if he sees you being good enough, he'll pick you and he'll bring you in. Is that what it says? Okay, no one's looking at the Bible. It doesn't say that, right? No, it doesn't say that. It, it, right? What does it say? It says to all who did receive him. All who received him. And as if to emphasize our inability to earn it or to get to it ourselves, right? It says, verse 13, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God, right? This gift to be born of God, to have spiritually, spiritual life given to us, to be brought into the family. It's decisively not by our actions, our will, what we can accomplish. It's by God's offer. It's as simple as what each of your children will do this Christmas morning. Receive a gift. Just receive it. That's a pretty low bar. Could it be that easy? To those who believe in his name, to those who trust in his reality, what does it take? It's just a simple coming to Jesus, trusting him, receiving what he offers. All you need is nothing. (laughs) All you need is faith. Now, do you see how this relates to love and the love we need? You were made for a love relationship with God. Right? God created you and you were made to be in relationship with him. It's what all the longings in your life point to. Right, the deep dissatisfaction, the nagging sense you were made for more, the, the stubborn feeling that this can't be all there is. Even, even in, in the greatest successes, right, like the top performers in their, in their respective fields will tell us that they, they aren't satisfied by reaching the top. Um, Arthur Brooks, who's a Harvard professor and a columnist at The Atlantic, He writes this, research finds that depression and anxiety are common among elite athletes after their careers end. Olympic athletes in particular suffer from the post-Olympic blues. I saw this withdrawal all the time in my years as the president of a think tank in Washington, D.C. Prominent people in politics and media would step back from the limelight, sometimes of their own volition, sometimes not, and suffer mightily. They talked of virtually nothing but the old days. Many suffered from depression and anxiety. No matter how rich, no matter how well thought of, no matter how successful you are, you still have nagging insecurity, restlessness, the feeling you aren't enough. And when it ends, you only want whatever success you had back. Why? Well, I think it's because you're not made for that. That doesn't satisfy you because you weren't made for that kind of success. You were made for a love relationship with God. And the offer of Advent is, is for the love you want and the love you most need. Right? Th- think of it. The person who knows you best, who knows you better than you know yourself, he left the riches of heaven and came to earth out of love for you. He, he made the daring rescue at the ultimate cost. And he rose from the dead and offers you now his very self, love that never ends, 
love that you can't be separated from. And that's good. I mean, that's good news of great joy, isn't it? Oh, it, it captures the imagination, doesn't it? As well as, as well as satisfying the intellect, right? Because it's not just wishful thinking or convenient fantasy. No, 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 because it's history, right? Jesus came, he died, and he rose. It's real. It's true, friends, it's true. The stories are true. And I hope we've cleared up the misconception that Christianity is mainly about being a good person, about morality, right? A morality message is about what you should do. The, the Christian message and the Christmas message is about what God has done in history. We couldn't be good. We couldn't clear our record. We couldn't clean ourselves up, <laughs> right? Like, we were helpless, so he came to us. We had nothing to offer, so he gave us everything. Right? It's not fair. <laughs> it's not, why would he do that for us? Oh, he must love us. The author wrote himself into the play. The artist painted himself on the canvas, all for love and justice, full of grace and truth. And isn't it fascinating that, of course, Jesus does lead us to live moral lives, like very different from the world around us. Like we're called to these lives of following him. But, but it's not out of fear of punishment. It's out of love for him. And then there's a, a universe of difference between those two motivations. It's ironic. It's ironic, but you'll never be good. You'll never be truly good until you stop worrying so much about being good enough. Hey, you aren't good enough. <laughs> that's the whole point. Like, that's why Jesus had to come. Because we aren't good enough. But he loved you enough to come, and he did come. And so you're forgiven, and you're free. And he leads us into life and into joy as we obey him. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And you might think, well, this is a message of love. Why would you be afraid of a message of love? But I think everyone knows that love is scary, like real love. You know, if you, even a love relationship on earth, if you open yourself up to a, 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 if you open your heart to a love relationship here on earth, uh, you know, I mean, like really embrace someone and let them in, I mean, you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to change, right? This is why some people are really afraid of marriage, right? Because what happens when you get married? Everything changes, And, and so I think if you're a Christian or not, you can, you can sense what it would mean to open up your heart to this stupendous love of God. What, what a relationship with him would cost, right? What it would, what, what it would mean. It would mean a million things. It mean you'd be swept away, right? It would mean your life is no longer your own, like it was your own anyway. Um, it, it would mean learning to love others as you've been loved. It would mean, <coughs> excuse me, asking for forgiveness, uh, and receiving forgiveness. It would mean willingly sacrificing yourself for the good of others. It would mean God could ask anything of you. And that, that can all be so scary to consider. So you might say, well, isn't it better not to take the leap just to maintain some decency, some at least perception of control of my own life? 
And, and listen, I get that. I, I don't recommend opening your heart to anyone unless they've demonstrated their love for you. And, and no one can make this decision for you. You have to make it for yourself. But I, I would plead with you, hasn't God demonstrated his love? Hasn't he shown himself to be trustworthy? And hasn't he made his love abundantly clear? He loves us. He died for us. Greater love has no one than this. Laid down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus did for you and for me. He loves us. He's just trying to get this across. And he, he died for us. And he, just all through the Bible, he keeps saying it. He keeps saying this over and over. One of my favorites is Psalm 103. Right? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love to those who fear him. You see, he's like, it's like he's talking to children. He's like, okay, everyone, look at the sky. How tall is it? How high is it? Like, wow, it's really far. That's how much I love you. And when you look at the stars at night, that's what you should think. Me to that star, that, that, that light may have, may, have been, may have been produced thousands of years ago. That's how high that star is. And that's how much he loves me. Right, as far as the east is from the west, you're like, I've just sinned too much. Well, listen, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Again, he's like, how far is the east from the west? Infinity, right? Ever, forever, right? And that's how far he's removed our transgressions. So he doesn't think of our sin. He's forgiven them. They're gone. As a father shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Think of the best dad and how he shows compassion. This is what God does for us. I think, man, how could God, how could God of the universe, how could he sympathize with us? He, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Our Jesus came and experienced our weakness. He can sympathize. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. I, oh, he loves us. He's, like, what, again, think of a verse. Like, try to write a verse that, that expresses more love than those four verses. He's just, he's just trying to get it across. I love you. I love you. I love you. And if you're still hesitant, if you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can open myself up to him. Let me ask you this. From our passage, John 1.4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Don't you want life? You haven't found it yet, right? In all the things you've pursued, how, how have those things gone? Life is in one place. You were made for him. And maybe you've never experienced the life that's in Jesus because you haven't, you just haven't been born again. You've never opened your heart to him. You, you, you are in verse 11 in our passage. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. And, and after hearing who Jesus is, what he did, what he offers, won't you humble yourself today? Simply receive the gift of God. I would love to talk with you about that afterward. The prayer team in the back at the end, any of the, any of the pastors, we'd love to speak with you about this. Right, what, what if one of my daughters came down on Christmas morning and sat on the couch and just refused to open her present? You know, I was like, baby, we love you. We, 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 Merry Christmas. We got you this. Give it to her. No. 
That would be absurd, right? It would be, why would she do that? I mean, that would be her choice, I guess. But, and this is a picture of you. If you don't receive the grace of God, if you don't receive the gift of God, right? he's just saying, I love you. I, I want to give you myself. The, the best gift that you could receive this Christmas is what, what God wants you to give, wants to give you, which is himself. And what, so what keeps this for you from being what is for so many of us good news, great joy for all people? It's for all people, it's for you. Maybe, uh, you're, maybe you are a Christian, but, but you've really run away from the Lord. You're, you've gone like the, the younger son, you know, the, the prodigal son in, in one of Jesus' parables. You've taken the inheritance, wished God and your family dead, and tried to make your own way in life. And, and maybe you've been eating the pig slop for a while, and it's time to go home. You're like, I'm, this is not working. But you don't know if you can. Well, just remember, if, if you know that story, you should go read that story, right? Uh, but it, just rem- remember, the, the father is waiting to welcome you home, right? What, what is that story? What, what happens when the, when the younger son comes back? The father sees him a long distance off and runs to meet him. Like, don't even worry about your speech, your, your, like, your speech to, to, you know, tell him. Just, just turn back and start walking. He's running towards you, right? The invitation of Christmas, the invitation from Jesus is you can from his fullness receive grace upon grace. Yeah, you don't deserve it. That's, that's it, right? That's the whole point. None of us do. And he gives it. Maybe you're, you're a Christian uh, in here, but, but you're just in a rut. Right? You, you're, you, you aren't experiencing the good news of great joy. Like, like you haven't experienced the love of God in a while. And maybe it's because you've been making it about your works, your obedience. You thought that somehow, you've somehow slipped into thinking that his love for you is based on your performance. But you moved from wonder at the love of God. You can probably, you can remember a time, right, can't you, in your life when it was just, oh, it's amazing that he loves me and there was so much joy and wonder. And you moved from that to, to sort of a coldness and, and having to feel superior to other people and being really judgmental. And by the way, we all do this, so <laughs> no judgment, right? The point is not to, to condemn. The point is to say the, the invitation of Christmas is the same to you, right? It's the same to you and me to turn to him because from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, right? Then in, in the parable, you know, the father goes out, not only the younger son, he goes out to the older son who's like, I'm not going to the party with my younger brother. He doesn't deserve that. <laughs> the father's like, no, come on. Like, it's okay that you can come in. I love you too, right? Like, like, you can come experience anew the good news of great joy that's for you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The gift is on offer for all of us. Love has come. Love has come. Will you open your heart to the love of God in Jesus Christ? Pray with me. I don't know where you are with with the Lord. 
or what he's speaking to you, but I just wanna give you a moment to, to be with him. Maybe to confess, man, I, I, I'm not experiencing your love like I have in the past or I never have and I want to. You can just tell him those things. But take a moment to respond to the Lord. Father, you know our weakness. You know our frailty. You know how distracted we get, how we get off track, how our pride sneaks up on us, how we judge others. You know how we look to other things for life when we know that life's in you. And so forgive us. Help us. Would you draw us to yourself. Holy Spirit, would you pour your love into our hearts? Would we remember? Would we experience your nearness, your presence? Oh, we need you. Please come. We ask this in Jesus' name.